happy summer, my podcast friends. No matter where you're listening from, I just want to pop in and say that I'm honored that you are joining us for season three of We're Going There. I'll be honest with you. I didn't know if we'd get here. I started this podcast with the goal of completing just one season. I said, just do one season and see where we're at. Well, that came and went. And I got to meet some amazing people from around the world. So you, my dear podcast friend, I just want to say that I'm going to keep pushing forward and continuing on because I'm so grateful. I'm grateful that you're here. I'm grateful that we get to connect and I'm grateful that we get to go there. This season is chock full of amazing guests, solo episodes, and some timely truths to keep us always, you know, going there. Since we are going there, let's start this season with a touchy topic, our bodies. With the Northern Hemisphere donning sundresses, sleeveless tops, and skimpy bathing suits, this is the perfect time to talk about issues plaguing our society. And for the men listening to this podcast, don't act like you are exempt. If research is true, roughly 75% of men wrestle with body shame or body dysmorphia. So listen up, my friends. It's high time we start talking about what we don't like. And to make sure that this feels honest and real, I'll go first. I battle with my weight daily since about the age of 10. At a very young age, due to lots of situations and lots of circumstances and trauma, I fell in love with the intoxicating feeling and euphoria of food when I was a kid. Something triggered endorphins that took me away from any negative feelings that I had. And now, as a grown adult, I can't even begin to recall how many diets I've been on. Seriously, it's embarrassing. I'll give you a few of my all-time standout hated favorites. The orange peel diet. Boil 30 orange rinds for about five hours in two gallons of water and then drink the tea for the next 48 hours. I got that recipe from my auntie. The soup diet, which is basically boil every green vegetable in a cauldron of water and eat it for eight days straight. It was a natural diuretic. Okay, what about the meat diet, a.k.a. keto? Um, This was the diabolical travesty of my life. In fact, I even acquired leaky gut, don't ask, after doing this diet. What about the vegan diet? So I went from one extreme to the other, and guess what? I gained weight being a vegan. What about the liquid diet, where I ran to the restroom every 30 seconds? And this was my hated diet, the pills for Mexico diet. Friends, not only did I lose weight, I lost sleep, hair, and control over my sweat glands. Sadly, the list goes on and on. Unless you have struggled with addictive or obsessive behavior yourself, it's difficult to understand the pain of the pendulum swinging from I hate me to I hate V, which was directed at God for cursing me with metabolism akin to molasses. Controlling a diet or eating habits may come easy to some. You know, just simply put the food down. But someone telling me to stop eating or stop obsessively working out was like telling the sun not to rise. No matter how hard I tried, it was impossible. This stood in dark comparison to all the weight loss ads that I heard growing up and even tried. Slogans like, Jenny Craig, which says, become your own success story. Or Alley Weight Loss, lose the weight, not the lifestyle. What about Weight Watchers, your lifestyle, your choice? With slogans like this, it gives us the impression that we can control this issue. Warm and fuzzy hope that you could look like the woman you've always wanted to be. In the words of Jenny Craig, I can create my own success story. But for me, dieting was total legalism. Like, if you control your eating, you are a good person. And then my least favorite side effect is, how much could I eat and still be considered okay? What it truly reveals was a heart issue. Now, before you think this is judgment, it's definitely not. I'm sharing this because I understand it. No one understands the emotional turmoil, guilt, embarrassment, and defeat that you feel when you try on clothes, step on a scale, 
or see people looking at you unless you have battled through it yourself, right? In the height of struggling through weight and weight loss, it was a season that I couldn't understand why God wasn't helping me. I mean, this was my health and I wanted divine intervention. In my legalistic mind, skinniness equaled holiness. And I was asking God to help. But what I realized is I was asking for the wrong thing. Instead of asking God, please change my body, I had to come to a point in my life where I began praying, God, please change my heart. What dietitians, weight loss gurus, and crash diet fads won't tell you is that this is an inside job. And we need more than a pep talk with a journal and prefabricated food. And someone shouting at us, you could do it. I'm forever scarred by Tony Little. They won't tell you that what you really need is God to transform your heart. The truth is that Americans have spent $30 billion on diet plans and fads pursuing the dream of a better, thinner, more beautiful version of you and me. At the end of all of that, there's no room for God. But yet so many of us find room to hate ourselves and even this beautiful body that God has given us. On today's show, I'm talking with Jess Connolly, writer, dreamer, bar instructor, and author of Breaking Free from Body Shame. My hope isn't that we walk away from this conversation with a false sense of magically being free from body shame, but that we, at the very least, celebrate the beauty created by a master artist. Before we hop into that interview, here's a word from our podcast sponsor. Jess, thanks so much for being on the show. This is so fun because the last time we were together, you were interviewing me for your podcast. I know. Fast I forward know. two years later, literally two years later, now I get to interview you for my podcast. I'm so blessed. I'm so excited. Thank I'm you for excited having too. me. So in addition to being a, a church planner and a mom and a writer and a teacher and a communicator and a podcaster, there is amazing things that are happening in your life um, from church to family. So before we dive into some of the things that you're passionate about in this season, give us, give us an update on who Jess is now. Who, who are you and what are the things that are bringing you life right now? Oh, such a great, fun, existential question. To- <laughs> Keeping it light, Jess. <laughs> to hop off. You know, um, hi, I'm Jess Connolly. And yeah, I do lead a church here in Charleston, South Carolina. My husband and I planted Bright City Church and we have four kids. And so we do wild and rowdy life with them. But in general, I am a lover of women. I'm a, I'm a lover of seeing women step into their calling and seeing women change by the power of the gospel. And I also like coffee a lot. Like that's who, that's all I've got for the most part. <laughs> well, wait a minute. I, I do feel like it bears, it bears talking about, mm-hmm. oh, I was going to do something punny for a second and try to parlay okay. bears and bars together. Because yes. one of the things that's bringing you life in this season, you're a bar instructor. I am. It's true. I did. I, you know how everybody had their weird pandemic thing. Like some people started gardening. I tried to bake bread. It didn't work. Um, and so I ended up, yeah, becoming a bar instructor, which was a really hilarious idea in that I did not need another job. I really had no business getting another job, but And I took like one of the last few things that was just purely a hobby and was like, yeah, I'll lead in this too. Yeah, I'll make this into work too. But (laughs) it was really funny. I've had a a lifelong dream of being some kind of a fitness instructor. And so I thought, why not now? I'm not traveling as much. I'm not on the road. Might as well just dive in and go downtown and lead some bar class. Okay. Okay. So some people are hearing this and they're thinking of B-A-R and like alcohol and shots and beer, but we're talking about B-A-R-R-E. B-A-R-R-E. With the toeless socks. 
Yes. So, so in one sentence, for those that aren't aware, what is bar method and like, why do you love it? Yeah. So I love bar. I, I'm, I became a bar three instructor, which is the particular brand of bar, bar that I do. Um, and ours is a combo of Pilates and yoga and cardio essentially. And so a little bit of stillness, a little bit of big movement. Um, and I just, I love it because it's a very body positive type of exercise, not right for just one body type incredibly inclusive, really fun, and also good for all fitness levels. So big fan of the bar, B-A-R-R-E. And so here's, I think, like a wonderful way to kind of dive into some of the fun things that you're talking about, learning about, discussing and sharing, which is why I wanted to talk to you today on the podcast. But mm -hmm. I mean, so much of what women face are, are body issues. And it's a topic mm -hmm. that people don't, people want to learn about, but they don't want to talk about from a personal perspective, but yeah. statistics say 97% of women struggle with body image and body image issues. So you talk a lot about this. Talk to me about the why. So we can talk about bar. We can talk about fitness instructor. Mm -hmm. We can talk about those things, but you've been on a journey to get to this place of health and to openly talk about it. So what does that yeah. journey look like for you? Absolutely. So, um, my, my true, true, my truest story is that at 15, I met Jesus and I knew at that moment, like, okay, I'm a Jesus girl. Like I'm a Bible girl. I'm in, like I'm in deep. I want, I want to go where he's going on to do what he wants me to do. And almost as soon as I started a faith walk with God, whatever that looks like, whatever people call that, that's what, that's what I felt like. Like, okay, I'm, I'm in this with you, God. Um, as soon as I started that, I knew I wanted to use what I had to encourage and speak life over other people in the same way. I wanted women to see their worth in the kingdom. I wanted to be a part of that. And what, what happened is that that when I, when I was 15 and I met Jesus, I entered then about a 10 year long period where I heard no one talking about what God had to say regarding our bodies. And so I took this kind of already broken belief that I came into my relationship with Jesus with this idea that my body was just not that good, that it was somehow other, that it did not meet expectation. And then I added some misgivings and misunderstandings about faith and the gospel and, um, and even God and his perception of me on top of that. And what happened for me is that my body image issues actually got incredibly worse. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden, not only did I not feel like my body was good, I felt like maybe God didn't think my body was good. And all of a sudden, not only did I think that I didn't measure up and that I didn't I wasn't as good as other women, but I also thought like, I'm also not equipped for ministry or mission or, the, or to use the gifts that he's given me because my body doesn't look like everybody else's culturally. And because no one was really talking about it. And I was sort of in this desert of not hearing any truth about it. I could just believe a lot of really broken things about it. And unfortunately I, I did hear actual negative, untrue things from other faith leaders or from or in my church or from people who represented God for me in different ways. And so around 25, the time Wait, I turned 20. So this is so like, um, I feel like this could be pivotal for a lot of people listening right now. So when you mm -hmm. say, I heard a lot of untrue things, what were they? Like, what did you hear from faith leaders? What were comments that you heard that yeah. you felt like, wait a minute, there is something wrong with my body. Yeah. Well, whew. I mean, from, from as small as I had a pastor one time, uh, a pastor of a church that I was working at 
reference my high heels and say they looked like they were about to snap in half because I had gained weight. That happened. Oh my gosh. I, one time my husband and I went to work at a new church, uh, moved to a new city to work at a new church. And when we got there, they said, um, part of what we like to do with all our new staff members is provide this diet program for you. Um, it's where you eat 600 calories a day for 28 days. And, and it's, it's a good fasting time to really, you know, get your priorities straight, but also you, you lose some weight and we think that it's really helpful. I heard that I would book more churches, more higher paying churches for speaking gigs. If I got Botox, because they need that for their HD cameras. Uh, okay. You know what we could listen, this can go on. (laughs) And I am, I I'm one, I'm shook Two, I'm sorry. And three, Mm -hmm. I think the reason why you speak with such authority about these issues is because you've walked through this and I just don't want people to think that it's some thin anemic, you know, plivy comment like, Oh, churches are mean. Like this, these are things that you're hearing within the body of Christ talking about your body. Okay. Yeah. And to say, and to say that I I also want to say it's interesting. I, I think that I, I could only talk about those. And it's funny, you had to like pause and say, like, tell me about those because I tend to not lead with them only because I've gotten to a place where I really do feel so much hope for what's coming in Christian culture and where we're going that I, I tend to like focus more on that, but oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just so, so incredibly busted, you know? Um, but I think we see this in all our communities, you know, like it just feels like this quick little thing that we can grab onto that if we can make our bodies seemingly okay, if we can control them, if we can make them look good, then maybe all these other things will follow that, that might even be spiritual, right? Rather than saying like, hold on, let's get our hearts straight first. Like, let's get our hearts on God first. It's just, it's such a common and prevalent issue. So for me, essentially, I just went through this like 10 year period where I was hearing all these negative messages, either, either even like subconsciously just seeing them, noticing them, noticing other people, um, the prevalence of other Christians talking negatively about their bodies, whether men or women, for the record, you know, you shared that 97% percentage. They, they actually say it's 95% for men. So this, we think of this as such a female issue, but it's only 2% lower for men. They say 95% of men struggle with body image issues. So I, I would hear the same thing from men talking about their own bodies. And so I just kind of made all these deducements about what was happening, what was going on. And then something just kind of stopped around for me at the age of 25. And I was stepping into different places in my calling and believing God for new things in our life and, and what he was doing there. And all of a sudden I was like, why am I experiencing? so much freedom and so much abundance and so much hope and so much healing in every other part of my life, except for this place. Why is there still so much shame here? Why is there still so much bondage? Why, why do I believe in the gospel and grace and the power of God in every other area? But over here, it's like, this one's up to me. This one, I've got to sort out this one. I've got to fix. And so I really just started asking questions. I started asking like, what, what would healing look like? In my body, if I wanted to heal my body image, what would healing look like? Would healing mean that I then fit cultural standards? Would healing mean that I love my body? 
what does God think about my body? What did God think about my body when he made it? What does he think about it now? What's its purpose? Where is it headed? Like I just started asking all of these questions and it sort of led me on a journey that left me really fired up and, and also very, very hopeful for what's ahead for us. Hi friends, I'm popping into this episode really quick to tell you about this new favorite project that I'm using. Yes, this sounds like a shameless plug, but I cannot tell you how much I love Way products. And I don't wanna be cheesy, but Way is the way to go. Hand to heaven. Every once in a while, I feel like I just need to reset my hair and my scalp. And the Way Detox Shampoo has been a game changer for me. I do use a lot of product in my hair and I love to take care of my hair. I know you probably think that all those highlights are natural, but they're really not. And I wanna take care of them. I found this product that I think you would like as well. It's Way Detox Shampoo. Now, the thing that I love about this is that you use it about once a week and it helps remove and neutralize any of the buildup, oil, dirt, or hard water products that we use every single day when we wash our hair. It's a combination of apple cider vinegar and keratin that exfoliates and balances our scalp. Plus, it removes any fizziness and adds a shine. The best part about this is that the smell is delicious. It's like rose, bergamot, lychee, cedarwood, and a white musk. Way products were created by celebrity hairstylist Jen Atkins, and no, I am not suckered because the Kardashians use it. I actually love it. It is cruelty-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free. And if you go to theway.com, that's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, and use the promo code going there, you get an additional 15% off your entire purchase. That is theway.com, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, and use the code going there. So a lot of body image is physical because physical is visual, but mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about body image also being a spiritual thing. Yeah, Can absolutely. You kind of unpack that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the biggest things that the enemy of our souls kind of like proposes to us is that this is a purely vain, purely physical issue, right? And we even hear this kind of subtly that like, if we just think about our bodies less, if we just get busy doing our work, or if we just think about God, or if we just care about more important things, but the problem is our bodies are where we do everything. Our bodies are where we work. Our bodies are where we love people. Our bodies are where we experience the world. Our bodies are where we rest. I I personally believe that part of the reason we have such an issue with rest and fatigue in America is because we don't know how to rest in our actual bodies. We, We just aren't even at peace with our actual body. And so because there's so much striving right here in our flesh, we can't even take a breath, can't take a breather. But so it is this absolutely deeply spiritual issue because it impacts what we think about God, what we think God thinks about us, what we think our purpose is, what we think our value is, what we think our worth is. And because every spiritual thing that you and I do on this earth, we do in our bodies. Mm. So, uh, I, I think one of the things that when we talk about body issues and sometimes I can feel like, a very far away. Like, oh, I don't necessarily have body issues or I don't have eating disorders or I don't, but I think that by trivializing or actually actually diminutizing maybe body issues that that's caused some low grade issues, low grade frustration in this, in this process of you kind of wanting to have like full body health, full body healing, and a good perspective of your body image. What, so somebody who's listening right now 
And I mean, mm-hmm. me, cause I've wrestled with my weight since I was a, mm-hmm. a child. And I think one of the things is like, well, where does it begin? Cause to be honest with you, I think I wrestle with a lot of this like positive body talk as it not feeling sincere as it's mm-hmm. not feeling rooted in anything that like of substance. And so you can tell myself, I am fearfully and wonderfully made if you're a Christian, or you can say like, I'm big and beautiful if you are in a dove campaign. Yeah. But unless it's not, unless it's rooted in something, then when the winds come and the lies breeze through our mind, then we're left at square one. So for that person who's listening right now and just feels like this concept feels very far away, I don't even know where to believe and I don't know where to begin. What do you tell them? You're saying all the most important things. I mean, first of all, to talk about like how, how almost like wispy and um, light we make the topic that we Mm -hmm. think like that's what it is. And that's part of what really provoked me to start writing because I realized, okay, outside the church, they're doing this. They're talking about body positivity, but I'm with you. Some of the messages I can't super get on board with because I don't feel them. That's not real for me. I experience weakness and pain in my body. And I, like you, I meet with women. I meet with men every day who are experiencing actual sickness and illness and disability and fatigue and frustration in their bodies. It is very hard to to sit with a friend who's struggling with infertility or cancer and say like, just say your body's good girl. No big deal. Like that's not it. We need something deeper, but this is where as kingdom women, as kingdom people, we have an upper hand because we get to go to the straight gospel and say, Hey, what's the, what's the good news in our weakness? His power is made perfect. And so we get to go armed with this wild kingdom minded mentality that says my body can actually experience weakness and can still be good. Mm. That when I say my body was good, I'm not looking at the mirror and just like pretending and faking it. I am speaking for the lion of the tribe of Judah who named it. So like I'm repeating what he said. And when I say like my, yes, my body can experience pain and weakness and disappointment and can still have purpose. Like this is the same story as my soul, right? Mm -hmm. That while I live here under the effects of the fallen world, that I don't have to fake it till I make it, that I can genuinely need God in my soul and in my body. I can need his heart and his hand and still experience his goodness and his worth and his power and his presence in the midst of all of that. It's wild and it, and it's not fake. So all that being said, that is actually, I think the answer to your question. So where do we start? I think we start with what we say. We start with our naming and, and again, it's not a fake it till we make it. It's not pretending, but it's such a, a cellular place of obedience where you and I can control what we say out of our mouth. We, we can control the words out of our mouth. So this is what I would tell women make a pact right now. You God, Holy spirit, just you, you and a friend, whatever, and say like, I don't say bad things about my body. I just don't anymore because actually when I do, I am defaming the God who made it. And I don't talk about stuff that he made like that. So I don't say bad words about my body anymore. That means that when a group of women take a picture and I'm in the picture, I don't walk over to see the back of the camera. So I can say like, "Eh, no, take it again. (laughs) Like, I don't do that. I walk away because you can take a picture of me with three chins. I'm fine. Whatever. I don't, when I'm home alone, look in the mirror and make some kind of comment about myself. I don't do it. I just don't say negative words out about my body. And here's the thing. What happens after you do that, when you just start with this decision, I'm not going to say negative words about my body. Number one, you're going to start to hear 
how often other people talk negatively about their bodies. And it's going to give you a desire in your belly to see healing and hope in other people. Mm. And number two, it's also going to create a little bit of space where I think we hear our thoughts a little bit louder too. And all of a sudden, like when we get control over our mouths and the words that we speak out of our mouths, then we start to hear our thoughts. And then we can say, where did this thought come from? What is it true? Does it line up with what God would say? And then we experience the renewal of the transforming of our minds, right? Mm -hmm. We actually get to change our minds and therefore change the world. And so it's so, so, so simple, but I promise you, I tell women all the time, if they say like, where do I start? I say like, Hey, after you take the picture, just don't say something bad. Just try it. Just walk away. Just don't even walk back to see it when it's the group photo. You know what I'm saying? I <laughs> Just feel don't you. even. I feel you. It's, yes. a, it's a culture game changer. And when your friends all look at you and they're like, do you want to look? And you're like, no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> it is a game changer and it actually changes the world. And it's just a start, but it's something everybody can do immediately. In 2021, it's definitely okay to talk about our mental health and happiness. Humans aren't meant to keep everything inside. It makes us sick. And therapy helps. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, don't be ashamed of normal human struggles to start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you could start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join millions of people who are seeing what therapy really is about. See if it's for you, because you're your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and we're going there. Listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com WGT. That's better H-E-L-P dot com slash W-G-T. Okay. So we're in the summer and, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm seeing, I'm seeing memes go from like, get bikini body ready all the way to when's taco bod season. You know, everyone's like, oh, bikini season. And then when's taco body season. So, so between those two narratives, between those two messages, like, what do you tell, what do you tell men and women um, who are either listening or that you talk to, like, where do we find our truth in between those polarities? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, number one, I want to say, I like all those memes. They make me laugh, right? They make me giggle. So that's fine. I find a lot of times now that I'm talking about it, people feel like they can't say funny things around me. And I'm like, listen, (laughs) this is fine. Like I'm still a human. (laughs) You can make a taco meme around me. I like tacos too. Um, I honestly think, and, and, and this for me is like the, the question that I get often, that people say, they're like, what's the plan? That's what I'm asking. Like, what's the plan? Like, so do we eat tacos or not? Is what you're saying. (laughs) So do, do we like go for it or do we not eat tacos? Like which one is right. And so for me, I say, I like the plan is worship. The plan for me is Romans 12, true and proper worship. I want to worship in what I eat Mm. and I want to worship in how I move and I want to worship in how I rest. And how I measure worship is, am I more in awe of God when I do it or not? And the crazy cool thing about that, and even the crazy cool thing about Romans 12 that says like, essentially like, then you will know his perfect will for you is that that's different for all of us. So for some people on some days, the taco 
is worshipful. <laughs> For some people on some days to be like, actually, that's not the best thing I can put in my body today. I've got other things to do. I want to love my body well. That's the healthy thing for them. That's the worshipful thing for them. But to say it even more clearly, what I would want to present to men, women, everyone is what if you weren't trying to make your body good? What if you were treating it as if it was good? And again, right? Doesn't that feel like some days you'd be like, yes to tacos. Some days I want to feed my body tacos because it's good and I love tacos. Thank you, God, for tacos. And some days you'd be like, you know what? I got other stuff to do. I want to be fueled for something else. Mm. So, so I, I mentioned this earlier, but I, I've wrestled with my weight my whole life. I grew up obese. And so this concept of like fixing, there was something that mm -hmm. felt holy when I was abstaining. There was something that made me feel self-righteous in working on this new diet. Mm -hmm. And so I viewed my body as like this project. Like if I lost weight, then I would be, I hate to say this, I hate to say this, but I feel like I would be more righteous or dare I say more godly. That's the word. That's the word. I felt like it would be more yeah. godly if like my body's a temple, therefore it should be svelte and 12% body fat. And so I began to mm -hmm. like projectize my body. What mm -hmm. do you say about people who treat their body like a project? Yeah. I mean, number one, just a massive dose of like mercy, grace, patience, compassion, because we were born into this. <laughs> This was not our idea. Right. And so to young Bianca, to young anyone, I would say like, I, I am with you. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that someone taught us that. I'm so sorry that someone showed us that mm -hmm. they probably didn't know any better. It was what they were born into. We didn't start this thing, but we can finish it. And so honestly, my new, I have two massive motivators to stop with the project-based mentality. One is Galatians 5. And it says, it is for freedom that you have been set free. And that is actually a really strange sentence when you think about it. It's like saying it is for bananas, the bananas. It doesn't make a ton of sense until you realize that we are not meant to replace that first freedom with anything else. So it is not for the approval of others that you've been set free. It is not to be felt that we've been set free. It is not to reach America's current ideal of beauty that we have been set free. It is for freedom that we have been set free. Jesus loves us experiencing freedom. He delights in us experiencing freedom. And so we have to ask like, what is freedom? And if it's a project-based mentality, if it's earning our goodness, if it's other people saying our bodies are okay, based on some st standard that is continually changing, that I don't even know who's in charge of it, but I got to tell you, it's got to be related to money at some point. Like they want our dollars. We have to ask like, number one, what is freedom? And do we want to be motivated by actual true freedom? So I'll tell you, I'll tell you this before I move on to the second motivator, where I'm living right now, six or seven years into this thing, still feeling tripped up occasionally, still having to speak truth to myself, but where I live right now, I continually feel like I just graduated school and realized I don't have to do any more homework. <laughs> when it's time for vacation, when it's time to go to church, when it's time to hop on a stage, when it's time to do what God's asked me to do. And I start to be like, okay, well, I got to get my body ready. And then I'd be like, oh no, I don't. She's already ready. I have everything I need for life and godliness. God is mighty in me. All of a sudden I'm like, I don't have to do homework anymore. I'm done. Like I, I experience genuine true freedom. So that's my number one motivator that I would want to tell her, like, I would want to tell everyone 
it's hard to imagine that anything feels better than being fit, right? But freedom has to be better. If we believe Mm. in God, freedom has to be better. And freedom is not being somebody else's ideal. Freedom is not fitting somebody else's expectation in our body. So that's my number one motivator. I would just tell her that over and over and over again. My second motivator is this, and it's a little bit harder. And I love you, but I still have to say it. Not you. I love her. You know, I love you. (laughs) Co-signing on this project-based mentality of our bodies leads most of us, even if unknowingly, to co-sign on the objectification of women. And We don't want to play with that. Oh, okay. Say that again. Yeah. Someone needs to hear it twice. Oh, so participating in a project based mentality as it pertains to our body, we are often unknowingly until after this podcast, co-signing on the objectification of women. And this is the enemy's like best scheme, right? To make women think that they're their value, their worth is tied up in their bodies. So again, this silence that we've seen in faith communities and in Christian communities and in the church, unfortunately, because we have not talked about it and because we have not said it, what has happened is that we've just copied and pasted, copied and pasted, okay, a woman's worth is her looks. Okay, great. A woman's worth is her looks. Okay. She's more godly if she looks better. Okay, great. She's better. She means more to us if she looks better. Got it. Got it. Cosine, 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 copy and paste. And so when we get on board with that, when we come under that, when we wake up on a Saturday and we're like, okay, this is the day I'm going to look better. Finally, I'm going to get myself together. We're participating in the, the objectification of women. And we just don't want to do that. And now when our eyes are open, we're like, no, no, no. I don't want to get on. I don't want to be on his path. I don't want to be on. I I, I actually want to be on God's path. Like even if, even for people who are listening or like, I'm, I'm not about God. That's not my thing. You still probably don't want the objectification of women and you don't want to be about that. Right. And so I know that that is such a big like lever to pull to like pull the thing and like stop the train and be like I'm getting off it's wild but once we see it right it's you know you're just like right no I don't want to do that Jess I think that you have done such great work around this topic and this conversation you uh, have a book coming out breaking free from body shame dare to reclaim what God has named as good and I cannot wait to get this book into the hands of listeners, but as we wrap up, what is one sentence for somebody who's listening to this and just feels like, whoa, this scab that I thought was already healed has just been picked at. What do you, what do you tell that listener and um, how can you encourage them while listening today? Yeah, I would say the best news is that the heavy lifting of freedom has been done. God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross to defeat shame and death and sickness and heaviness forever. And so while we feel weakness and while we struggle with this shame in our bodies, the heavy lifting is done. And so don't be, I would just tell every single person, don't be scared to take the next step. Don't be scared to have the next conversation. Don't be scared to to maybe pick up the scab a little bit more because what's on the other side is abundant and free and a whole and healing. And it is absolutely a hundred percent possible. I love that. Jess, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate you. I appreciate your words and I appreciate the work that you're doing. I love you, friend. Thank you. 
Friends, let me tell you that I am already putting into practice steps that Jess spoke to us about. In fact, just today, I didn't ask to see a photo that was snapped of me and my friends. Why? Because I'm not letting myself be controlled by something that has no power unless I give it power. If you want more information on Jess and where you can get her book, you can order it now on Amazon or you can check out the rest of her stuff at JessConnelly.com. And you know I love to give away free things. So if you want a copy of Jess's new book, post on Facebook or Instagram and tag at Bianca Oltoff and at Jess Connolly to be entered to win one of three copies. And as always, it means so much to me and our guests to hear your feedback online. So tag, post, share, and spread the love. I'm so grateful for you, and I can't wait to see what this summer and this season of the podcast holds. Thank you.